And there's power in the word of God, like crazy power, transformational power. Except that that never changes. But your job this morning is to seek the word. So you're not a consumer this morning. You're a go after this morning. You're going to go after the word. It says the kingdom in in Matthew, it says the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up, and then in his joy goes and sells all that he has to buy that field. Like you're coming after something this morning. There's something that God is bringing to the table this morning, and you have to grab a hold of it. And it requires seeking. Those who seek will. Come on. Those who seek will. Fine. So you're going to find the word of God for whatever it is that you're looking for. So God, we thank you that your word is effective this morning. We position our eyes. We speak to our eyes this morning and say, seek and you will find. Look. And so God, we're looking towards you this morning. We're, we're making our, our whole being in alignment with your word saying, we're coming after something we didn't know we needed, but we need it. We thank you that your word is effective and powerful in our lives today. We let that sit in us, that your word is effective and powerful in our lives today. And we thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Oh, goodness, that was a good service so far. <laughs> Hallelujah. We're going to talk about the foundation of certainty. This is echoing really bad. To me, anyway. I don't know about you, but... <laughs> I want to stand here and proclaim this morning that 2023 is going to be a year of the word. A year of the word. Look, look at John chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. John 3.34, Jesus said, The one whom God has sent to represent him will speak the words of God. Jesus came to speak the words of God. Because God has poured out him the fullness of the Holy Spirit without limitation. Then in John 6.63, those are hard to put together. The words I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. His words to us are so powerful. Randy Clark, I was reading a, uh, I didn't even know what I was reading, but in that book there was a quote, I mean, there was a paragraph, and I just want to share with you, he said, this is not hope. It's more than that. It's the foundation of certainty. That's where I got the title, by the way. Christ, the living word, is your foundation of certainty that there's going to be a demonstration of power in your life which will bring glory to God. Amen. The good works that Jesus prepared prepared beforehand are destined for me and for you. I may be saved by grace, but I have been saved to perform and to move in the works of God that he has prepared for me. So Christ is in me. He is in you. That anointing is in you and it is the basis of your faith. Amen? So let's talk about this for a little bit. When we talk about God and his word, what do you think about? What goes through your mind? I mean, just kind of, what's, what's, what's your frame of reference? The truth of the matter is, what God says is. What God says is. 
when God, well, and what man says, well, maybe that is, maybe it isn't. But when God speaks, it is. When when he speaks, it's never maybe. It's not, I think so. It is. It's always made good. It is always true. Hebrews 11.3 says, Faith empowers us to see that the universe was created and beautifully coordinated by the power of God's words. The universe came into being because of the power of his word. God spoke and the worlds became. When God speaks, it is. Hmm. He spoke and gave the invisible realm birth. And we see all that we see. Remember, God's word is part of himself. It's part of himself. You see, your words are part of you. You know that? Your words are part of you. What you say reveals the real you. And what God says reveals the real him. Like the old preacher said, what you say, what you say is what you get. People come to trust in your voice, in the you that's in your voice. Because they're, your voice and your words are you. Jesus is God's voice. He is God's voice. What the Father said, Jesus said. Jesus said. Amen? Jesus is the Logos. He is the living word of God. He is the living word of God. When you read what Jesus said, or you hear it read, it's like you're hearing God. You're hearing God. You're hearing the living word. Oh, listen to what Jesus said about his words in John 5, verse 19 and 20. He said, Jesus said, I speak to you eternal truth. Jesus said, the words I speak are eternal truth. Wow. The son is unable to do anything from himself or through his own initiative. I only do the works that I see my father doing. The son does the same works as his father. Because the father loves the son so much, he always reveals to him everything that he is about to do. And you will be amazed when he shows him even greater works than you have seen so far. God stands behind what he has spoken. Did you know that? God stands behind what he has spoken. The throne of God is behind everything he speaks. And his character, Jesus' character, God's character, are involved in what he speaks. Involved in what the Father speaks through Jesus. In John chapter 12, we see again Jesus speaking about his words. He said... Is it in the Passion Translation? For I am not speaking as someone who is self-appointed. I'm not speaking as someone who is self-appointed, but I speak by the authority of the Father himself, who sent me, who instructed me what to say. The Father taught him what to say. And I know that my Father's commands result in eternal life. And that's why I speak the very words I've heard him speak. Wow. What a statement. Kenneth Copeland, in a prophecy that he gave just in January about 2023, he said, it's going to be a good year because you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. You will know and understand more about my word and its authority in your life. People will begin to understand and to know that victory is at hand when you worship and praise me. 
And you put my words as the final authority in your life. You will know me because I am the truth. I am the life. I am the way. The Father is the truth. And when the two of us together are in your life, truth will become a way of life for you. Its authority will break the bondages of the devil. What, is the, what, is the, what does the phrase final authority mean to you? Think about that. What does it mean? Jesus kind of addressed that issue in Mark seven thirteen. He said to the Pharisees that you nullify the authority of the word of God, acting as if it did not apply. Did you know that you can nullify the authority of the word by acting like it doesn't apply? Because your tradition, which you've handed down through the elders, is there. And you do many things like that. Beloved, the word is your final authority. The word is your final authority. Malachi 3, 6, it says, I am the Lord, I change not. And it's the same with his word. It doesn't change. The world's order of things is un... un I mean, look around. It's changing all the time. It's unsure, it's indefinite. Desperate words of uncertainty are, are floating every place on the sound waves. Everything seems to be in turmoil around us. But praise God, if you're a believer, you have something you can depend on. The unchanging word of God. Think about that for a minute. His word is written down, not subject to editing. The books of the law that David had are the same ones that Jesus had. They're the same ones that we have. The words of David are the same ones Jesus had, the same ones we have. The words of Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Paul, Peter, Jude, James, they're all the same that they had, that the people in the Dark Ages had, the people in the Reformation had, the people, I mean, and that we have. The same words. His word is unchanging. It's true. It's the final authority on everything. God has got a double standard. He doesn't say one thing today and something else tomorrow. Change his mind. It says he's the, yes, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. God's word is the final authority. And if you let God's word settle the issues in your life, your personal issues, your corporate issues, your community issues, your national issues, your political issues, if you let God's word be the authority, then you'll be confident even when others are confused. You'll have peace in the midst of what seems to be a storm. You'll overcome when others are being overcome. You will be the overcomer. What does it mean to make God's word, God's word the final authority in your life? It means simply believing what he says above what people say. It means believing what he says instead of what Satan says. It means believing what he says instead of what the politicians say. It means believing what he says instead of what your circumstances say. 
It means simply believing what he says above everyone else. Period. Believe him. Believe him. His word is the final authority. Determine in your heart to do that today. Make up your mind to live by faith and not by sight. Fearlessly commit yourself to believing his word and the authority of his word. And if you do that, all the unstable things in the world can't steal your security, can't steal your foundation, the foundation of certainty. I think about some of the things God said in his word that are sure. For instance, what does God say about the power of sin? I don't know if you ever deal with sin, but I have a couple times. But it says in Isaiah, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. With his stripes we are healed. God's word says, Jesus took the penalty for your sin. He took it. And so the sin problem was solved when Jesus died on the cross. Did you know that? Sometimes I don't think we experience it. But in Hebrews 9.26, but now once at the end of the ages, he, he, was been, he has been manifested. Well, put that one up there. He has appeared. I like that word better. To put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. Jesus took our sin. It was settled. In 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 7, chapter 5, verse 17, it says, Wherefore, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, everything, all things have become new. And sin has no standing in the new creation. That's his declaration. That's what Jesus did. He says you are a new creation. He says you are a new creature. He says you're his child now. You're born from above. It's a statement of fact. Sin cannot dominate the new creation. You're, you're his child. And you're a joint heir with Jesus. A joint fellowshipper. In all that Christ did and all that Christ is. Hmm. In Christ you are what he says you are. You can do what he says you can do. You are a new creation created in Christ. In Romans chapter 8 verse 1. It says, starts out says. There is therefore now no condemnation. To those who are in Christ Jesus. Did you know that? There's no condemnation for you if you're in Christ Jesus. That's pretty awesome. Because what God says is. You see, the sin problem is really twofold. I told this illustration um, maybe 49 years ago. So it was a good one. Sin has two facets. There's the facet of the things we do and the sin nature. So it's kind of like the factory and the product. You know what a factory is and you know what they produce. You could pick anything you want. Take Coca-Cola. The factory produces Coca-Cola. 
And we have Coca-Cola. You can buy it at the store. You can get it at your neighborhood market. Whatever you want, you can get Coca-Cola because the factory's producing Coca-Cola. What happens if we destroy the Coke factory? There's still Coke. You can get it any place you want for a while. And that's kind of like sin in our lives. The longer we stay with Christ, the less impact it has. Because there's no dominion of sin over the new creation. There's no condemnation. Sin cannot rule over you. Sin basically tries to convince you that you're guilty. That you did wrong. That you blew it. That you made a mistake. And therefore exercise its dominion over you. Keep you in bondage. Keep you pressed down. I can't pray because I'm sinful. But God says you're a new creation. You're created in Christ Jesus. It says in Romans chapter 2 verse, chapter 6 verse 2. Think about this. What a terrible thought. In the New King, in the King James it says, God forbid. I like that. God forbid. If he forbids it, look out. What a terrible thought. We have died to sin once and for all. For as the dead man passes away from this life, so how could we live any longer under sin's rule? Can't. Because you're free. You're free. Maybe you commit sins. Maybe you got some product left, some Coke, and that's okay. If you confess those sins, God forgives them. But he has dealt with the factory, and it's getting less and less. So act on it. If he says he's forgiven you, then he has forgiven you. And when he forgives, he forgets. It's as though it had never been. It's hard for us to understand that, but in God's mind, when he forgives us, it's gone. It's erased. It's as if it had never been. Sometimes our faulty vision, it, it, it causes us to see through a glass darkly. And, and, and the word of God has been obscured in our lives. We don't understand the impact of what he's saying. But we stand as free as Jesus in the Father's presence. Think about that. You stand as free as Jesus does. In God's presence. Because there's no condemnation. There's no condemnation. To those who are in Christ Jesus. He didn't say that. God said it. He said it in his word. And his word is always the same. He said there's no condemnation. So there isn't. In Colossians 3. 1, 13 and 14 it says. He delivered us from the authority of darkness. He delivered you from the authority of darkness. You're not under that authority anymore. He said, he translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. In whom we have redemption, the remission of sin. We were delivered out of the authority of Satan. It's true. It's a fact. And you've been translated into the kingdom of his son. That's pretty exciting. Yeah. We're in the kingdom. We're members of it. We are heirs of God and joined heirs with Jesus Christ. And Satan's dominion has ended over us. 
We are free. Yeah. Hallelujah. What he said about righteousness, he said in 2 Corinthians 5.21, For God made the only one who did not know sin to be sin for us. So that we might become the righteousness of God in him. You're the righteousness of God. He became the sin you had, and you became his righteousness. Those are undeniable facts. This, this verse is maybe the greatest verse in the New Testament, showing the substitutionary death of, of a sinless Savior for you. He died for you, and he exchanged his righteousness for your sin. Awesome. Awesome. And the Father sees you as righteous as Jesus. That's pretty cool. What God says is. What God says is. It is. We are redeemed. Oh, hallelujah. What God has made righteous is righteous. What God has declared righteous is righteous. What Jesus made righteous in his substitutionary death is righteous. It's complete. And when we, when we remind God of our sin, then I bring accusation against myself. And I agree with the enemy who likes to remind him of my sin. But God says, I don't remember that. Why should you remind me? Don't live under his accusation. Go to scripture and see who God says you are. And his covenant with you. And walk in that. Determined to agree with him. It says, you are of God. In 1 John 4, 4, it says, you are of God, little children. And I've overcome them. Because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. You walk around with a greater one in you than anyone in the world. Wherever you go, God is with you. He is the strength of your life. Don't make any, don't make any apologies for weakness. You are a victor. Amen? You stand a victor in every combat. The power and the ability of God is yours. He's given it to you. There's no supposition about it. I wonder it's an absolute reality. He says you are more than a conqueror. And if he said it, you are. No matter how mighty the force that comes against you is, you are a conqueror. You overwhelmingly conquer, it says in Romans. It makes no difference what your sense knowledge tells you. I cast down those reasonings and I give the word of God its full place in my life. And I act like a victor because I am. Because I am. Hallelujah. His word is part of himself. He and his word are one. And he watches over it with the utmost care. He's utterly jealous over his word. And he protects it. He says, my word, is, my word has the power in it to perform what it says. Amen. And all you need to do is call his attention to what he has promised. 
and he'll make the promise good. God's word has the ability to do everything it has promised. There isn't one promise in the Bible that God says, well, I made that promise, you know, it was a couple of years ago, but I don't think that's going to work anymore. That's not the way God operates. If he made a promise, it's good. If he made a promise a year ago or a thousand years ago, it doesn't matter. It's good. It's good. Because the Logos of God, the Word of God is a living thing. It produces in the heart of man the very thing that he promised it would do. Hallelujah. But the one problem is that his living word is lifeless in me. I can memorize a hundred chapters of the Bible, but unless I apply faith to that word, unless I mix it with faith and, and allow it to become a living thing in my life, it just lies like an old memory. I have to act on the word. I have to believe the word. I have to make it the final authority in my life. And then it becomes truth. Jesus was the Father's word. He lived it. He spoke it. He acted on it. And it was alive in him. He said, the words I speak are not mine, but they're my Father's words. And he said, the words that I speak are life and spirit. Jesus gave us his word. And when we take his word and act upon it, then they become alive in us. Just think about this to, to, to conclude. In Mark eleven twenty four, it says, Therefore, I say to you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Believing is the key to everything. Believing is the key. It's the key to everything in the kingdom. It's the way that we tap into the very power of the Almighty God. Most of us know that. But sometimes we forget exactly how to do that kind of believing. You don't know how to put it into action. But it's really simple. It's really simple. It's just saying, I believe I receive. I believe I receive. Something happens in your spirit that, that I can't understand, you can't probably understand, but it happens. It's like I, my digestive system works pretty good. It knows what to do when I swallow something. When I eat, it digests the food. It just does it all by itself. I take a bite of food, and it goes to work. Hopefully yours does too. I don't have to make it happen. I don't have to feel it happen. It just happens. That's the way the body is made. And in the same way, your spirit has made that. When you take God's word and you swallow them in your spirit by saying, I believe, I receive. Faith is released. You don't have to make it happen. You don't have to feel it happen. It just happens. That's the way your spirit is made. So as you take his word and you speak it, faith is released in you. His word becomes powerful. Kenneth Hagin says, keep the switch of faith turned on. He said, discover that by speaking a phrase, I believe I receive, I say it when I pray it, I say it when I praise God, I say it when I read the word, I especially say it in the face of darkness, when it looks like I'm not receiving, 
And when everything looks worse, that's when I say it the loudest. I believe I receive. I believe I receive. So do you want to activate your faith today? Then make God's word the final authority in your life. His word answers every question. It addresses every issue. His word is wisdom. His word is wisdom. Whatever God says is. Amen. Let's stand. Father, your word is alive and powerful. And as we believe your word, act on your word, and make your word the final authority in our lives, we experience that power. We see that power at work in us and through us. And so, Lord, today, we make a commitment in our hearts, in our lives. We say, Lord, your word is the final authority in my life. The bottom line, Lord, it's the bottom line. It trumps every other word I hear. No matter what it is, your word is the final authority, period. That's what I want to live by, Lord. So many times I have to ask you to forgive me. When I, when I forget your word, I start listening to other things, hearing other voices. Please forgive me and help me to make your word final authority. Help me to make your word the bottom line in my life. We give you praise and glory and honor today. You're so good. You're so good. You work with us to accomplish in us what your word says. I thank you for that. I thank you for your word.